a tough act to follow. We will soldier on though. Well, it is Mother's Day and to all those who are celebrating today, I hope that it is a, a rich and a joyful day for you. I know that it also can be a complicated or a painful day as well. And if that's true for you and your story, know of my prayers for you that you might be comforted today as well. But today is, it's not only Mother's Day. Uh, today is uh, Good Shepherd Sunday. If you don't know what that is, uh, that's okay. I found out about it on Tuesday. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so I'm just barely one step ahead of everyone. Uh, but as we're following the, the liturgical year this year, as we're following the lectionary, uh, Good Shepherd Sunday arrives uh, in the season of Easter. And the reason it's called Good Shepherd Sunday is that the, the readings from the lectionary highlight the, the imagery of sheep and uh, shepherding uh, that relates so well to our spiritual life uh, throughout all of scripture. Uh, so our, our psalm for today that we, we sang together for our confession uh, comes from Psalm 23. And the gospel reading that we'll read in just a second comes from John 10, that, that chapter where Jesus is telling stories about sheep and identifies himself as the good shepherd. The collect for this week, which is a, a weekly prayer from the Book of Common Prayer, um, reads this way. O God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. So with that in mind, let's read from John 10. I uh, invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you've seen the show Ted Lasso, then you are familiar with the expression, it's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills you. It's a, a popular English soccer expression that describes just the absolute heartache of suspense. The meaning of this popular expression being that having no expectations, having no hopes for your team may actually be better 
than having hope, having a dream for your team, only to be let down, only to be disappointed when they eventually lose. Many of us are not hardwired to enjoy suspense. The uncertainty is just like more than we can handle. Even if we know intellectually that suspense often leads to new possibilities or new opportunities or even victory, we still prefer as little suspense as possible. We like watching the games when it's like 84 to three. (laughs) That is a game that we can enjoy. Why? Because it's the hope that kills you. We just can't take it. The group around Jesus in the story that I've just read want him to skip the suspense. Jesus, tell us plainly. We have our own version of this, don't we? Jesus, tell us plainly what the plan is for our life. Jesus, tell me plainly which job to take or which school to attend. Jesus, tell me plainly why I am enduring this heartache. Tell me plainly that it will all work out in the end. Jesus, tell me plainly why my son or my daughter are struggling or suffering right now. Jesus, tell me plainly how you plan to reconcile the world because it seems like that's not going very well right now. Jesus, tell me plainly when the Longhorns will be good again. I once struck a nerve. (laughs) We are not hardwired to enjoy suspense. Why? Because suspense means uncertainty. It means we're not in control. It means that there's a chance, there's a chance that things will not go the way that we want them to. In response, Jesus tells this group around him, I have told you, but you do not believe which indicates that the suspense, at least in this case, is entirely of their own devising. Jesus seems to think that they have worked themselves up for no reason. In fact, there is another translation of this sentence that I think maybe better captures the attitude uh, and maybe the bad faith of his critics. And that sentence is, how long will you annoy us? They have seen Jesus' ministry to the lost and to the least and to the lonely. They have witnessed him with their very own eyes heal the sick and bless the poor. They know, they know the bad company that he keeps. And they're annoyed. They are annoyed that Jesus seems to be ministering to all of the wrong people. Grace is like that. It's gratuitous. It doesn't add up. It's only reserved for people who don't think they deserve it, which is amazing to people who eventually receive it, but pretty annoying for those of us who think that we have earned it. This is not the Messiah that they expected, and frankly, this is a Messiah that they don't really have any use for. And so they are let down. They are in suspense. 
And how does Jesus respond? Well, he tells them that the reason they don't believe that he is indeed the Messiah is that they do not belong to his sheep. Which I think at first sounds a bit harsh. In fact, I think it feels a little bit unfair. Are you telling us, Jesus, that in order to understand who you are, we have to belong to the right group? No, I don't think so. As Robert Capon put it once, nobody is left out who wasn't already invited. Nobody is left out who wasn't already invited. Jesus is simply telling them that they fail to recognize that they're sheep. See, sheep, if you've ever known one, are weak and needy. It's often said that sheep are dumb, but I think we could probably take it a little easy on the sheep. I mean, they're not the smartest animals out there, but maybe they're not that dumb. But they are defenseless. They're defenseless. Sheep need a shepherd to protect them. And the reason that Jesus' critics don't believe that he is the Messiah is because they refuse to identify as a creature who needs help, who needs care. And before we judge them too harshly, Think about yourself. Ask yourself, how self-aware of your own needs are you? How easy is it for you to accept that you, too, need a shepherd? I heard a, another minister say recently that everyone who comes to church, everyone who is sitting where you are right now, is either sad, tired, or overwhelmed. And when I heard him say that, I thought, I think you need a vacation. <laughs> Sounds like you're sad, tired, and overwhelmed, man. But then I thought about my own life. I thought about the season of parenting that my wife and I are currently in. I thought about how we feel at the end of most days after working and caring for a five and eight-year-old and an eight-month-old puppy that is determined to eat everything that I own. <laughs> Yeah, you could say that sometimes we're overwhelmed. I imagine we're not the only ones either right now. Even if life is going relatively well for you right now, I imagine that at least some part of your life is touched by sadness or by exhaustion or the feeling of being overwhelmed. Even in times of real joy and abundance, I think it's still possible to feel these things. The good news, the good news is that if you are willing to accept that you are a sheep, if you're willing to accept and be self-aware enough to admit that you are a person in need, then you have a good shepherd. You have a good shepherd whose voice that you can recognize, whose voice will guide you, whose very presence will comfort and protect you. That is the promise that Jesus offers us in this story. The Franciscan Richard Rohr says that faith at its very core is simply accepting your acceptance. Simply accepting your acceptance. And that is what Jesus invites you to do today. Can you accept it? When my son Elliot was about two years old, he would ask my wife, all of the time, to hold him. But instead of saying, will you hold me? 
he would walk around saying, hold you, hold you, hold you, as if he was the one doing the holding, which to me was always a good picture, I think, of how we approach our relationship to God. We think that we are the ones doing the holding when it is exactly the opposite. We are being held. And Jesus promises that what my Father has given me, no one can snatch out of my hand. It's very hard for us to accept this, I think. It's very hard for us to think that there won't be some breaking point at which God gives up on us. We think in the back of our minds, but what if we do X? And we think this way because most of all of our relationships work like this. Most of all of our relationships have some hint of conditionality to them. Even though we try to love each other unconditionally, even though we try not to keep the score in even our closest relationships, we fall short. I mean, the closest that we get to unconditional love is probably something like we're celebrating today, a mother's love for her children. And I hope that on this day, you're able to celebrate that you have a mother, you had a mother, you are a mother, you know a mother that has reflected this kind of love and to give thanks for this love today. But even if you don't, be comforted by these words from the prophet Isaiah. Can a mother forget her own child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Though she may forget, I will not forget you, says the Lord. The psalm for today that we sang earlier together ends with just an incredible promise, an incredible promise that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Not bitterness, not contempt, not suffering, not exhaustion, but goodness and mercy. There's a reason that this psalm is the most beloved and well-known psalm in all of our Psalter. There's a reason it's often mentioned by people or memorized by people who are facing trials of various kinds. There's a reason that it is recited at hospital beds and said in unison at funerals. And that reason is that it describes in no uncertain terms the unconditional one-way love of God who will never forget us and out of whose care we can never be taken. Thankfully, Jesus' critics were wrong. God doesn't keep us in suspense. He just keeps us all the days of our life, including today. Let's pray together. Oh God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd, of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. Amen.